Welcome to Shoreside Operational, not just another supply chain podcast. Tonight's episode, we're going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. The rabbit hole being the ILWU and the PMA and negotiations on the West Coast. So hopefully you enjoy the show. So as it stands right now, the ILWU and the PMA are still in discussions and still in uh, still in negotiations. Um, they have made a little bit of headway, but unfortunately, there's really no information coming out of the PMA or out of the ILWU. The problem that we're seeing is the local 13 that is in that area is basically creating job actions or creating problems in in the terminals um, with the automated terminals to be specific. There is some information that has come out from the ILWU stating that they have agreed to automation in the contract. Um, what that agreement entails is still left to be seen. The problem with the terminals, with the automated terminals is automation, unfortunately, eliminates jobs. And I completely understand where the ILWU is coming from in that respect. They want to protect their people. They want to protect the, the, you know, the jobs. They don't want their jobs taken away by a robot. And I get that. Um, However, technology is is moving the way it's moving and if you take into consideration the carb compliance um for the imo that is required by 2030 by 2040 and by 2050 automation and and zero carb are going to have to align together this unfortunately is going to create more of a i guess less of a human footprint in the future, in my opinion, um, but what, right. What kind of automation? Um, like crane automation. Um, there's a couple of the yards that use, uh, say, like take APM, for example. APM has an automated side where their cranes are automated and they have. Um, so nobody in the crane. Well, well, OK, so there's there is a crew and the crane. It, it's automated, but it is, it, it's like the last so many feet is actually by human power. Um, so when the crane, when the cranes move, they have a small crew. So instead of having like a, a crew or a gang um, of like, say like 11 or 12 men, there's only a gang of five or six needed to operate these cranes, do the twist locks, everything like that. I mean, even even with automation, it's never going to 100% get rid of the human factor because somebody needs to put the twist locks on and somebody needs to take them off. Yeah, but it could lessen. Yes, the amount significantly. Of I mean, you take a gang of 11 to 12 and you drop it down to five or six. That's five or six guys that have just lost their job. That's insane. That's insane. But it it, it is it is unfortunately the way it is. So, but with the, with the automated terminals, a lot of red tagging has been happening, um, where, okay. So red tagging is Mm -hmm. when someone deems a piece of equipment, say like a, like a yard handler or, uh, like a crane or something to that effect, they deem it unsafe. 
Oh, bad order. Yeah, bad order. So okay, they're red tagging it like a tag out, lockout, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. I'm used to I'm used to uh, bad order. Yeah, bad order. Exactly. So, well, they call it red tagging. So gotcha. these job actions that are creating these red tags, um, I mean, one of them was, I, I can understand it. It was completely justified in the respect that the cranes were operating without bumpers. So what a bumper is on a crane, <laughs> just so <laughs> for those of you that don't know. Yeah, I was just about to ask. Just for those of you that don't know, okay, so on the cranes, the cranes sit on, on rail systems. So they're, they're moving along and they move like usually in tandem with each other. However, when they come closer together, when they're working the ship, they can come closer together. What the, what the bumpers do is the bumpers actually keep them from slamming. It oh, basically gotcha. it creates a, like a, like a boom, like a soft stop. Yeah, I got you. And, and because of that, the, the cranes at tray pack were, were red tagged. However, mm. The funny part is, is that the bumpers have not been on these cranes for about a year and a half. So <laughs> the ILWU has been working alongside these cranes and with these cranes for a year and a half without these bumpers. And then all of a sudden, because of the negotiations and, and what they're, you know, what they're complaining about and not being able to come to a certain agreement, they all of a sudden decide to red tag. I, I think it's a little hypocritical, and I think it was basically almost like a little temper tantrum. But wasn't it a safety issue? It is technically a safety issue, but how come how come they deemed it okay to work for the last year and a half without the bumpers? Now all of a sudden it's a problem. Yeah, that was my question. Yeah. That was it doesn't make any no. sense. If anything, the minute the bumpers came off, I would have complained because it is a safety issue. It can create. I mean, that would be too large humongously large metal cranes smacking into each other without that soft stop. That is a safety hazard because it could vibrate everything. You could vibrate, uh, you know, bolts loose, anything like that can happen. If it hits hard enough, can it like, it can jump? actually knock it off the track and it could potentially topple over. Okay. It could fall onto wow. the actual string piece. It could fall onto, uh, onto the, on the ship. Anything could happen if it hits too hard. Now, normally, if anybody's ever been on a terminal, these, these cranes move like, like a turtle. They're, they don't move very fast. It takes forever to shift them down. I mean, Lord knows I've paid enough standby time to shift a crane over. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's, it can, but it can be a problem because it does create that safety hazard. But my question is for, I guess, the ILWU, um, any of you out there listening to me, send me an email. Um, my question is, why was it okay for the last year and a half? Now, all of a sudden you have a problem. That's my question. Good question. Good. Um, another issue that they're having, um, is, is the, it, it's more, more just, I guess, job action slowdowns, slowdowns and, and the wanting to everybody go to lunch at the same time is creating a problem. That can create a problem with terminal velocity. Um, the terminals, of course, want to stagger lunches. So that way there's always constantly somebody working the flip line. There's always constantly somebody working the stacks. There's always constantly somebody working the crane. As, as, a, as an ocean carrier, I completely understand that. Um, I, I, but, but 
I don't understand why everybody has to go to lunch at the same time. I don't get it. Um, it, it literally, it stops production. It slows things down. We never did that at the rail. No, never, no, never staggered lunches. We staggered lunches. The East Coast staggers lunches. They, most of the time, the East Coast doesn't even go to lunches. The only time you break the East Coast for a lunch or a meal break, as we call them, is in the middle of the night, and that's because you don't want to pay double time. <laughs> so, oh, but, but but it, but it is what it is. But I mean, we don't we don't break for lunches on the East Coast. So I'm I'm not really sure why this is such a humongous problem on the West Coast. I mean, the guys on the East Coast can work through lunch. Why can't you? Hey, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going down the rabbit hole here, and I'm calling I'm calling it out. I mean, as, as a vessel operator, I want terminal velocity. I want to see the berths on arrival. I want to see that the ship get worked as fast as humanly possible and maximize the lifts. Why would you take a full lunch where the entire yard shuts down and you kill production? It's bad enough that everything stops after 2 a.m. on the West Coast, like literally just stops. Can we blame the governor? We probably could. Okay. But that's a completely different show. <laughs> All right. That's a different show. And I'm not going down that political rabbit hole. Yeah. But anyways, um, but no, I mean, honestly, there's no reason to stop 100%. I mean, do you, do you guys need to have lunch together? I, I don't get it. How long is their lunch usually? Okay. So here, here's the thing. Here's the <laughs> thing about the, lunches. Hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing about lunches. So you get like 15 minute, you know, wrap up of the shift, yeah. then you break for lunch, which is an hour. And then when you come back, you get another 15 minute safety briefing before you start your shift again. Wow. So literally an hour and a half has just died on that terminal. Vessels don't, aren't producing anything. Nothing's moving in the yard. Rail's not working. How many lifts? How many lifts do you think in an hour and a half? An hour and a half could be... 30, to to 40. a ship can be 30 lifts, 30 to 40 lifts. Wow. 30 to 40 lifts not happening right. on the ship or off the ship. 30 to 40 lifts not happening the on the train or off the train. 30 to 40 gate transactions, if not more. Dude, that's crazy. That's crazy. See, when I was at VN, we had 30 minutes. So it was 30 minutes from a time to tell you go to lunch. So you go to lunch, your time kind of starts at that, at that point. So when you get to lunch, let's say it's five minutes because you have to go on the other side of the terminal. So you have to go on the other side of the terminal, go to lunch. So if you were called at seven and it's seven ten, let's say, so it takes you 10 minutes to step down and everything, your time starts, it is eating time there. Right now it's seven ten. The moment you sit at that table till, uh, you have to be back on ramp if it's on if you're working on the other side of the terminal you have to be back on ramp at 7 30. so your lunch could be literally 15 minutes well see that's the thing nothing stops the railroad no but obviously staggered lunches stops the ilwu i that, to me that is that because they don't have enough uh employees um longshoremen or whatever no um, there is a plethora of longshoremen. Um, there's always somebody waiting for steady work. There's always somebody, you know, standing in the kitchen waiting for that phone call. Um, so, I mean, a, a lack of labor is not a problem in that respect. 
I mean, there are there are some training issues with the fact that like certain types of yard equipment, it takes a little bit more to train them. Mm-hmm. So so there may be a delay in getting new employees up and up, up and going speed. and up to speed. Okay. You know, I mean, t- driving a tra- driving a crane. Yeah. Um, operating, let me, let me rephrase operating that. You don't really crane. drive a crane. Yeah, yeah operate a crane. Right. Let me rephrase that. So operating a crane can actually be a little bit difficult um, because you have, I mean, you're, you're 165 feet in the air and you're looking at a little box that's about this big and you're trying to figure out how you're going to hook up to it and then pull it out without banging the, without banging the cell guides, without hitting anything else. And then you got to lift it. You got to pull it back. You got to drop it down and then you got to land it. Well, that sounds like, a truck. A, that, to me, that sounds like uh, a skilled job. You know what I mean? It's one of those jobs where now, like, I'm afraid of heights, right? So for me, that's that's a no-go. I don't care how much money you're paying me. That's a freaking no-go. Well, I've been up in a crane, and yeah. I can tell you I'm not afraid of heights, but but damn, I mean, I have I have a huge respect for those people. Seriously. Well, yeah, absolutely. I do. Because when you tell me, hey, you're 165 feet in the air, and I know what 165 feet, I've been, well, at the, uh, at the terminal, in um in Joliet. Yeah. I went there for training and some of their cranes are a little taller. Like guys were up up top and said down below. You know, obviously we don't have water there, so they're not over water over ships or whatever. Yeah. But we had some that were like forty or fifty feet in the air and the operator was way up there and operating from the top. Where other times there's other cranes there's sorry my cat's meowing <laughs> there's other cranes where it's they're on the bottom you know they just step off and they're there and they're just working it that way those are the ones usually for the the rail yeah when we're putting on, we're pulling on and off and the other ones were stacking in the yard yeah i mean but regardless of how high you are yeah. it's still a skilled job still a skilled job absolutely um, i mean i know i know a crane trainer out in jersey and and i mean what they do what they do is definitely it's skilled. I mean, I've watched I've watched these guys. I've watched them lift these these boxes. I've watched them lift yachts. I've watched them lift crates. So I mean, it's 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 a skilled labor job. But the problem is is that they're not training people fast enough. And I hate to say it like that, but the the hiring parameters, I guess you could say, are a little bit too strict in my opinion on both coasts. Honestly, um, well, you just don't want somebody in there. that's going to come in and start banging into shit. Well, no, no, you don't. But that's the whole point of training. But I mean, in order to get through the hiring process for the ILWU or the ILA, you have to know somebody who knows (laughs) somebody who's related to somebody and who's related to somebody else. And that, you know, and they were the founding father, you know, so to speak. And then, I mean, it, the hiring process for the ILWU and the ILA has been convoluted for years, in my opinion. I mean, the Waterfront Commission and everything like that on the ILA side and and, and just just not really filling jobs on, on the West Coast is is a problem. And and that's always been a problem. Um, but with the with the negotiations, the ILWU negotiations right now, there's issues with with panic. What this is actually doing to the business is actually pushing more, more cargo and more lifts and more money to the East Coast. And unfortunately, because of the fact that this is, I mean, they've been in in negotiations for over a year and a half now. 
I mean, it's ridiculous at this point. And, and there's a lot of, a lot of shippers, a lot of BCOs that are worried and they've already moved their cargo to the, to the East coast. So that way they can avoid any of the issues with the ILWU with slowdowns, with job actions, with yard stoppages, anything like that. However, the problem that the ILWU and the entire West coast is going to face now is that a lot of these BCOs and a lot of these big shippers are putting in distribution warehouses along the East coast. They don't plan to come back ILWU. They're not coming back to you. They're going to continue to do all water and they're going to continue to go to the East coast. Why? Because they can get it off the ship in three days. They can get it inland within five days of that eight days, eight days. Ship comes into the West Coast, it sits there for seven. Sits where? And it sits at the berth for seven while they're working it. Seven full days to work a ship on the West Coast. And that is that because they don't work 24-hour shifts? Yes. Okay. They don't work through. All of these shippers have realized now that even, even by taking the additional days on the water to get it through the Panama Canal, to get it up to the East Coast, to get it to Jersey, get it to Virginia, get in South Carolina, you know, Savannah, they can still get it inland and get it to their customers a full week faster than coming to the West Coast. This is your problem, ILWU and PMA and West Coast ports and terminals. You're losing business and it's not gonna come back because now these shippers are investing in putting these warehouses and distribution centers up all along the East Coast so that way they can handle getting anything inland yes the rail is a little bit more expensive going backwards you know because everything from the west coast inland is going forward everything from the east coast going inland is backwards i don't know why but it is what it is but it may be a little bit more expensive but they're going to get they're actually going to make more money because they won't have these problems i mean what happened when the pandemic hit we were 120, 100, I think the top was like 120 ships deep uh-huh. sitting outside of LA and Long Beach. That's absolutely ridiculous. This cargo. cargo what was it outside of Jersey, outside in on the Atlantic side? Maybe 15, 20. Wow. I mean, Savannah, Savannah got up there in the 40 range, okay. but still, that was only 40. Right. And Savannah's mm-hmm. got nine berths. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've got, you've got, you know. 15 to 20 ships on one coast that is that is working in multiple terminals and at that point in time to get these these ships in if we're bringing in like as a carrier if we're bringing in extra loaders or empty loaders or anything like that we're looking at different terminals because those are additional they're not held to any type of contract they're extra that's the whole point to extra as long as we didn't deploy them in one of the strings and we brought them brought them in as an independent just to clear stuff out we can move stuff. We can we can move cargo into a terminal that we normally don't contract with. We can move cargo and put it onto the ship faster and get it out of there. We, I mean, the carriers were doing this. This is what we were doing because we were trying to get our cargo in and out for our shippers instead of it sitting for three to four months off of the West Coast waiting for somebody to actually work a ship. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, sorry, like I said, I was going to go down a rabbit hole. I've been holding that one in for a little bit. I'm kind of irritated with the ILWU. I mean, get over it. Work out the problems. 
Does everything need to be catered to you on a silver platter? I like the ILWU. I think the people are great, but the terminals need to work. Not just for me, the ocean carrier has nothing to do with that. It has to do with shippers. It has to do with what you buy at your local Walmart. It has to do with what you're getting from Harbor Freight Tools. It has to do with what you're shopping for on Amazon. Guess what? Everything coming in is on those ships. Everything you're ordering, it may have been, you know, fulfilled in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, by the way, that comes in from the East Coast. Maybe fulfilled in Cincinnati, Ohio, but guess where it came from? It came from Taiwan, China, Thailand, Vietnam. It doesn't matter. No matter what, it had to come in here on a ship. Unless it is 100% fully made in the USA, you know, manufactured, you know, sourced everything. Most everything comes from Asia. And if you're going to keep messing around and, and pretending like you're, you're doing job actions um, to try to force someone's hand, you're going to continue to lose business. And the East Coast is going to just sit there and lap it up. More money for them. Oh, yeah. Less money for the West Coast, eh? Oh, yeah. So out of all of this, can you really tell us how you feel? No. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we I did. think that this this is a good show. We're good. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good. good. <laughs> All right. Time for me to talk a little bit. Today is the very first day that we actually recorded for YouTube. Okay. So it'll be the same on YouTube. It's Shoreside Operational on YouTube. And we're going to be posting a video here very shortly. As soon as this is, we're done recording. And you're going to be able to see my mug. Yep. And then, but we're also doing the podcast. So we're recording at the same time. We're trying this out and see how it works. If it works well, then we're on to something new. So on YouTube, what is the big thing they always want you to do? Please comment, like, and subscribe. Yep. That's what we need. We need like, comments, and subscription. And I'm going to warn you all. Because of the fact that I'm not doing, I mean, yes, this business is a labor of love. Yes, the the YouTube channel and the, and the podcast is, is a passion project, but I, I'm going to make money on it. So there will be ads. So just be prepared. Yep, absolutely. But anyway, um, thank you for watching the show. Um, thank you for listening to the show. Yeah, I can actually say that. Thank you for watching the show. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, um, and like I said, if you guys have any comments or, I mean, you want to tell me to go off myself, um, you know, whatever it is, send me an email at shoresideoperational at gmail.com. We are ready for your comments. Thank you and have a good one.